0: Today we're going to continue our series on psalms. And the psalm that we are looking at today is Psalm 101. And uh, it is said this is a psalm of David. So let's read what David writes in Psalm 101. David writes and he says, I will sing of your love and justice, Lord. I will praise you with songs. I will be careful to live a blameless life, When will you come to help me? I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. I will reject perverse ideas and stay away from every evil. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. I will search for faithful people to be my companions and only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. I will not allow deceivers to serve in my house and liars will not stay in my presence. My daily task will be to ferret out the wicked and free the city of the Lord from their grip. Well, there are three things that uh, I I have picked out from this uh, uh, 101st division of the psalm to share with you today. Turn to your neighbor and say, yay, he only has three points. Sorry, it's 30 minutes, whether it's three, five, or seven. The first thing that I see in this psalm, I see, and that is, I see our song. Say our song. We find this in the very first verse where David writes, and he says, I will sing of your love and justice, Lord. I will praise you with song. You know, style of worship is a battle that has been going on in the church since its beginning. It's nothing new. It's always been, and I'm afraid it will always be. Today, the battle is over contemporary versus traditional. And in that battle uh, has been going on for years now. What's funny is, uh, what is portrayed as traditional today was first the contemporary of yesterday. Do you understand that? Uh, yesterday's contemporary becomes today's traditional. You do understand that uh, the early church in the book of Acts did not have a Melody of Praise hymn book. Some of you didn't know that. Or hymns of glorious praise. Uh, They did not sing Amazing Grace and I'll Fly Away and when we all get to heaven. eh, Those songs were not sung, they were not written, they were not available. See, here's what I know, and that is each generation has introduced its own style, and each new generation has received pushback from previous generations. Always been, will always be. I love how you're shouting in here today. All right, that's just great. But here's what I know this morning. Here's what I know, and that is the style is secondary to the Savior. I want to say that again. The style is secondary to the Savior regardless of our preferred style and all of us have a preference in style we all do we all like different types and styles of music and so and so but regardless of our preferred style we should all have a song we should all have a song paul writes in ephesians chapter 5 verses 18 and 19 paul says be filled with the spirit And he says, sing sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and let there be a melody in your heart. See, like what I've said many, many times, it's about the Savior, not about the song. I said it's about the Savior, not about the song. The style is secondary to the Savior. Notice the second thing that I see in Psalm 101. Man, we're going fast, aren't we? We're about to slow down. Second thing that I see in Psalm 101 is I see our sanctification. Say sanctification. Sanctification. Now we see this in verses 2 through 4. David writes, he says, I will be careful to live a blameless life. Say blameless. Blameless. I will be careful to to live a blameless life. When will you come and help me? He goes on to write and says, I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. He says, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. He goes on to write, I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. I will reject perverse ideas and I will stay away from every evil. Let's talk about sanctification for a little bit today. This is a topic that nobody's talking about today. Uh, how long has it been since you've heard a sermon? Uh, I don't, I'm not just talking about from this podium, but, you know, online or what. Nobody's talking about sanctification these days, and it certainly, it certainly doesn't fit in the cool category. So I'm not expecting to come off really cool today, all right, because, because sanctification and cool, you know, those are two different things, it seems. And yet, the Bible records this word, or a derivative of this word, over 135 times. Over one hundred and thirty-five times, the word sanctify or sanctification or a word like sanctification is a derivative of the word. Over one hundred and thirty-five times in the Bible, how many, how many would agree that that, that that if God if God put this word in His book one hundred and thirty-five times, if God said so much about it, then we ought to be talking about it. Yes. It's not like it's just you know found one or two or three places, but no, no, over one hundred and thirty-five times. Is it mentioned in the Bible? Now, a definition of this word in its most simplest form means to set apart or to separate. It means to make holy. Sanctification is a process. Say process. Process. Sanctification is a process by which God gradually changes our nature. Our fleshly desires begin to weaken and our spiritual desires begin to grow stronger. See, see, salvation is not the end of our journey. It is only the beginning. And yet for so many people that, you know, they say the sinner's prayer or, you know, whatever they do. They walk the aisle or whatever it is that they do. And, and, and that's the end of their journey. But salvation is not the end of the journey. Salvation is the very beginning of our journey with the Lord. And after salvation, the process of sanctification begins. Now, it actually begins at salvation, but it is kicked into a higher gear immediately following salvation. So, I want to suggest four things about sanctification today. The first thing I want to say about sanctification, I want to say that it is, it's a serious matter. It's a serious, I mean, if it's, if it's mentioned 135 plus times in the Bible, how I many know that's a serious matter? It's something that God wants to use to get our attention. So it's a serious, it's a serious matter. Look at verse number one again. I will sing of your love and, say and. Amen. I will sing of your love and justice. Say justice. Yes. I will sing of your love and I'll sing of your justice, Lord. See, we're quick to point out God's love, <laughs> oh we love it oh we love it i remember a man in my church when i was pastoring in midland and man any time i preached on love he loved it Man, he may not tell me all year that i preach good but i preach on love he liked that man he liked it all and he let me know he liked those kind of sermons those ooey gooey lovey ones you know what i'm saying you know we're quick to point out god's love but we don't want to think about his justice we want to don't want to talk about his judgments we want to promote the gra- his grace, and we should. I mean, this church is called the Grace Place. Listen, listen, we want to promote his grace, and we should. But his word warns us of using grace as a license to sin. Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verse 21, through chapter 6 and verse number 2. Paul writes, and he says, God's grace gives us right standing with God. Come on, somebody. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it wonderful to have right standing with God? God's grace gives us right standing with God and results in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Don't shout just yet. Hold, hold, hold it. Don't shout just yet. It goes on to say. He goes on to say, well, then. <laughs> well, then. Should we keep on sin- sinning so that God can show us more and more and more of his wonderful grace? Paul says, God forbid. Paul says, of course not. He says, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Right. Right. So, sanctification is a process that makes us look less like sinners and more like saints. It's a process that whittles away at our flesh and works to promote righteousness and holiness. Now, although God, uh, good works cannot save us, and I'm not saying that this morning, and I don't believe that, I, I, I understand and I believe the Word of God teaches that, that good works can't save us, and yet they are proof that we are saved. No, we don't do good works in order to be saved. We do good works because we are. See, an apple tree doesn't produce apples in order to become an apple tree, it produces apples because it's an apple tree. And that's what apple trees do. They produce not pears, not oranges, not pecans, but what? Apples. See, apples are proof that the tree is, indeed, an apple tree. Second Corinthians 5 and 17. Paul writes, He said, "If anyone is in Christ, say in Christ." If anybody is in Christ, Paul writes and he says, Well, he's a new new creation. And Paul says, Then, because we are a new creation, all things pass away. And he says, Behold, all things become new. And Jesus said it like this Jesus said, You will know them by their fruit. We know it's an apple tree because, because it produces apples. We know it's a pecan tree because it produces pecans. The fruit tells us what kind of tree that it is. And so the fruit that you and I are producing in our life tells, tells and reveals who we are of. Are we of, of, of Christ or are we of, of the devil? Jesus said you will know them by their fruit. See, people who are truly born again will bear fruit of righteousness, So our sanctification is a serious matter. But understand this this morning. That is, it's impossible without the help of our Savior. Would you agree this morning? Yeah, sanctification. It's impossible without the help of our Savior. Notice the last part of verse number two where where David writes, and he says, when will you come and help me? I'm going to do all this, God. When are you going to help me do it? (laughs) When will you come to help me? So, uh, sanctification begins at salvation. It begins with our Savior. Uh, oh, as we are washed in his pure righteous blood. Isaiah says in Isaiah 1 and 18, though your sins are like scarlet, God is saying to Isaiah, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. Oh, in Revelation 1 and 5, says to him who loved us and washed us from our sins, in his own blood so our sanctification is impossible without the help of the savior but the process of sanctification also includes the scriptures The process of of our sanctification. It begins with the Savior, but then it also includes the Scriptures. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 26 says, We are sanctified and cleansed. How are we sanctified and cleansed, Paul? Well, he answers my question. He says, We are sanctified and cleansed by the washing of water by the Word. See, daily Bible reading and the consistent study of Scripture are part of the process of our sanctification. The reason why most Christians today are more worldly than they are godly is because they spend far more time in the affairs of the world than they do in seeking God. Now please... Please hear me this morning. I'm not condemning anyone for enjoying good, wholesome entertainment. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. And I'm not suggesting that we live an extremist lifestyle like a monk. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. What I am saying is that we need to feed and we need to nourish and we need to grow our spiritual being. And we do that, first of all, we do it through the Scriptures. We do it through pouring over the Word of God and pouring the Word of God down into our heart and down into our spirit. See, to be a Christian, the word Christian actually means Christ-like. So to be a Christian means to be Christ-like. Romans chapter 8, verse 29, Paul writes, and he says, We should be conformed into the image of God's dear Son. I was talking to someone in the lobby today uh, this, before the service. We were talking about, you know, uh, who this one and that one looks like. We're talking about their baby actually and who their baby looked like. And I told them, you know, sometimes I look in the mirror and I see my dad. and Sometimes I look in the mirror and I see my mom and I'm more of my mom than my dad. But, you know, uh, and the older I get, it seems like the more of those things that, 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 I, that I see coming in and through and through me. And, and, and so, you know what? You and I need to be looking like Jesus, we need to be looking like, like, like Jesus. And as we study Scripture, we get a clearer picture of what Jesus looks like. Yeah, we can get a clearer picture of, of, of what Jesus looks like by, by, by studying the Scripture. And we, we, we understand then and, and, and glean what his character and his traits are. And, and then when we get a good picture of what Jesus looks like, then we look in the mirror and we see how unlike him we look. <laughs> Hello? But as we learn of him and as we try to emulate him and as we implement his word, oh, oh, we might not look just like him, but we look more like him than we did. I may not look like Jesus to you, but I promise you I look a whole lot more like Jesus than I did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago learning and applying scripture is a part of the process of our sanctification as we read the word and we see things in the word listen I've been reading the word for so many years and I read it every single day but even this morning I was sitting there and and Chris was reading and I I don't bring my phone in here I leave it because I don't want it going off on me so I asked my wife I said text me Ephesians what was it babe whatever it was one of the one of the verses that he read this morning because it said something I know it's in that translation it why didn't I don't think I've seen that listen listen oh there's so much in the Word of God and, and as we learn God's Word and we apply God's Word oh he moves us from glory to glory to glory and though we may not look like him today we look more like him today than we did yesterday and we should look more like him tomorrow than we do today So, learning and applying scripture is a part of the process of our sanctification But not only does this process include the Savior, include the Scriptures, but it also also includes the Spirit. The Holy Spirit plays a big role in our sanctification. Romans chapter 15 and verse 16, Paul says we are sanctified. How are we sanctified, Paul? Paul says we are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. It's a process. It begins with the Savior. It includes the Scriptures, but it also includes the Spirit. Listen, listen, the Holy Spirit empowers us to live a godly life. As we search the Scriptures and we see how we ought to live and we see how far short of, those, uh, of that that we are and how unlike Jesus we really look, but it's the Holy Spirit, oh, that will come along b- beside us and empower us and help us to live a godly life and transform us into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live a godly life. The Holy Spirit convicts us when we sin. Don't we hear a lot about conviction these days either? We need to bring that one back. The Holy Spirit helps guide us, helps guide us and warn us and and, and help us stay away from ungodly activity. That's why we we, we need to make friends with the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to invite the Holy Spirit to walk with us every single day. Oh, I ask the Holy Spirit, oh, just over and over, help me to be sensitive. Oh, let me be sensitive to your voice. Let me be sensitive to your moving. Let me be sensitive uh, to your work in my life because I want to be led, directed, and guided not by my flesh and not by man, but by the Spirit of God, and it is available to us. The Holy Spirit helps guide us and warn us and helps us stay away from ungodly activity. Have Have you ever felt uncomfortable just felt uncomfortable when you found yourself in an ungodly atmosphere? Have you ever felt a sickening just a sickening in your spirit when encouraged to engage in in unethical or immoral activity? Have you ever had alarm bells just go off on the inside of you when when confronted with something that just it, it just seemed off you couldn 't really put your finger on it it wasn 't black and white but but all oh, alarm bells were going off on the inside of you because because there 's just so it just didn 't seem right just something just seemed off. Has that ever happened to you yeah. see that 's the holy spirit that 's the Holy Spirit doing his doing his work sanctifying you, setting you apart. Second Corinthians 6 and 17 Paul says come out from among them and be separate says the Lord do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. Now, there was a time when the church was into legalism. I'm not promoting legalism. That's not what I'm saying. I don't want us to return to legalism. But hear me this morning, hear me. The pendulum has swung too far in the opposite direction where there seems to be little difference today in saint and sinner. Almost anything seems to go today in the name of grace. But Ephesians chapter five, verse 26 and 27 in the New Testament, say New Testament, still says that the church that the Lord is pleased with. Now we say it all the time, you can't make God love you anymore by your behavior. No, but you can sure make him more pleased with you. I'm gonna tell you, my kids can't make me, more, make me love them any more than I already love them. And I wanna tell you, sometimes I'm more pleased with them than I other times, especially when we're, they were growing up. How I many you know what I'm talking about? No, you can't make God unlove you. No, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more, but I'm going to tell you that sometimes we please God and sometimes we don't please God. And listen, 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 I don't know, you preach it the way you want to preach it, but life just goes better for me when I'm pleasing God. Hello? The life of my kids, that went a lot better for them. Papa, uh, Papa was a whole lot more generous to them when, they were, when he was pleased with them than when he was ticked with them. Come on now, you preach it the way you want to. My message don 't mess with it amen but ephesians five twenty six and twenty seven still says that the, that the church that God is pleased with is a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without. Look at the church today. It's spotted, it's wrinkled, and it's blemished. Oh, oh, I pray, I pray God wash us. Oh, oh, we need the sanctifying washing of the uh, the blood of Jesus and the Spirit of God. And I pray God wash us anew. Wash us with your pure, righteous, holy, holy blood of our Savior. Wash us, oh, wash us with with the scriptures as we pour them into us, ourselves in in our study. Wash them by the Spirit as we go deeper in our relationship with you, Lord. Amen. If that's your desire, shout an amen in this house this morning. Amen. Mediocre enthusiasm, but I'll take what I can get. Amen. I know you out there screaming. We're just shouting and jumping. I, I know you were. <laughs> All right, we're talking about sanctification. It's a serious matter. It's a serious matter. It's impossible without the help of the Savior, the Scriptures, and the Spirit. And... It involves self-denial. Read verses uh, two through four again. David says, I will be careful. Say, be careful. David says, I will be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to help me? I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. I have nothing to do with them. I will reject perverse ideas. I will stay away from every evil. I understand that we cannot sanctify ourselves, but although we cannot sanctify ourselves, we are a part of the process. Turn to your neighbor and say you're a part of the process. We are a part of the process of sanctification. See see we know what our weaknesses are. We know where we are vulnerable. See see the problem with sin is it's fun. Hello? I said the problem with sin is it's fun. It's exciting. It's enticing. See, see, if sin were not all of this, there would be no draw. There would be no temptation. There would be no allurement. So sanctification involves self-denial. And the fourth and final thing that I want to say about sanctification is this, and that is it will be a struggle. Sanctification, it will be a struggle struggle verse 4 i will reject perverse ideas i will stay away from every evil here's what i know and that is that that's a whole lot easier to say than it is to do and if anyone should know this it would be david because he failed miserably in this sanctification is a struggle sanctification is the purifying of our flesh and our flesh is anything but pure there's a tug of war that goes on constantly between our flesh and our spirit. Jesus said it like this. He said in Matthew 26 and 40, 41, Jesus said the spirit is willing. And that's, that's on Sunday morning when the preacher's preaching. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The spirit is willing, Jesus said, but the flesh is weak. It's a whole lot harder to live it out on Monday than it is to shout about it on Sunday morning. Paul said in Romans 7, he says, what I want to do, I don't do. This is the Apostle Paul. He said, what I want to do, he said, I don't do. He said, but what I do not want to do, that's exactly what I end up doing. How many would say, hey, that's me as well? Sanctification will be a struggle. The good news is we have the Savior, we have the Scriptures, and we have the Spirit to help us. All right, let's look very quickly at the third thing that I see in Psalm 101, and that is our surroundings. Our surroundings. And we see this in verses five through eight. Let's read it one more time. David says, I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. He said, I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. I will not allow deceivers to serve in my house and liars will not stay in my presence. And my daily task will be to ferret out the wicked and free the city of the Lord from their grip. Very quickly, I want to share three things here. First of all, we should be very selective of our inner circle. Very selective of our inner circle. Verses 6 and 7, says David says, I will search for faithful people. Stay faithful. He said, I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those that are above reproach are going to get in my inner circle, David said. And I'm gonna reject deceivers and liars are not gonna be allowed in my presence. Now, I know I talk about this an awful lot and so I'm not gonna belabor the point, but it's in this scripture and so I need to mention it and somebody's hearing it for the very, very first time. But here's what I know and and that is who we are and how we act is a direct reflection of our inner circle. Who we are and how we act is a direct reflection of our inner circle. Jim Rohn says, he says, add up your five closest relationships. Take your five closest relationships, add those five together. Take that number, divide by five, and that's you. What he is saying is, we are the average of our five closest relationships. So if you don't like who you are and how you act, maybe you need to look at who you're hanging out with. It's the only way to bring that average up Change some relationships, all right? Moving right on. The second thing I I want to say here, and that is we should be very careful what we sanction. Very careful what we sanction. Verse two through seven, he says, I will be careful to live a blameless life. I'm, I'm going to live a life of integrity. He says, I will refuse to look at anything vile or vulgar. He said, I will reject what is perverse, and on and on and on he goes. We should be very careful in what we sanction. I'm really... Concerned today because it seems like uh, Saints look more like sinners And sound more like sinners Than they do saints today And I'm I'm really really genuinely concerned We need to be very careful In what we sanction Ephesians 4.29 Paul writes He says don't use foul or abusive language Man it's just a word Yeah it's the world's word It ain't ours Hello There ought to be a difference in the way we talk The language that we use Come on Pastor, you're into legalism. No, I'm not. I, I, I wrote, Paul said explicitly, don't use, say don't use. don't use. He said, don't use foul or abusive language. He said in Ephesians 5 and 4, he said, obscene stories and coarse jokes. He said, these are not for you. Say, they're not for you. They're not for you. Not for you. Listen, listen. We, don't, we need to look like Jesus, not like, not like the world. We need to talk like Jesus, not like the sinners. Amen? Listen, saints should not talk like sinners. I told you this message wasn't cool this morning. We should be very, very careful in what we sanction. In number three, and I'm out of time. That's why I'm going so quick this morning. We should, we should regard our homes as a sanctuary. Regard our homes as a sanctuary. Verse seven, he says, I will not allow deceivers or liars in my home. Hear me this morning. Be, be careful who and what you allow in your home. Be careful who and what you allow in your home. Listen, through modern technology, our homes are being invaded. Our homes are being invaded. There once was a time you had to go to the red light district. Today, all you gotta do is turn your phone on. Bad spirits are actually being invited into our homes by those who choose vile and vulgar and ungodly entertainment careful who and what you allow in your home. Regard your home as a sanctuary and monitor what your kids are doing on their phones and devices. If you can get it, they can get it. Oh, I got it blocked. You don't know your kid. You know, if I need some help, with a device, I just, you know, I used to call one of my kids or my grandkids. You know, I used to call one of my grandkids. I mean, I took care of Easton yesterday. He's four and a half. And they dropped some devices with him. I said, he knows how to use those, right? <laughs> yeah, that four and a half year old knows how to uh, 65 year old, not, not very good with it, but that four and a half, man, he did all over that thing. Be careful what you're allowing in your home. Monitor, monitor, inspect. Well, I'm invading their privacy. Well, they don't like it. They can move out, get a job, pay rent, utilities, buy their own food. Until then, they're in my home. I ain't inviting their space. They ain't got any space. Now the kids just love me now. I know that takeaway from the message today is God's will not only includes our salvation, but also our sanctification. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 3, Paul writes and he says, this is the will of God. What is the will of God? Everybody wants to know the will of God. If you were to ask people, you know, give me a question, you know, give me five questions you want me to answer. One of those questions would be how to know the will of God. We all want to know the will of God. We all want to know how to find the will of God. Well, Paul says this is the will of God. well what is the will of God well Paul answers that he said this is the will of God your sanctification it's the will of God that you be sanctified it's the will of God that you be set apart it's the will of God that you begin to look more like the Savior than you do the devil it's the will of God that you become closer and closer to him it's the will of God that you desire the things of God more than you desire the things of the world that's the will of God your sanctification setting yourselves apart Whittling away at the flesh, whittling away at the flesh so that there's more room for the Spirit. Father, thank you for your word today. I just pray you'll take the word of God today. I pray that it will do what you intend for it to do today. Father, in the name of Jesus, amen.